Hi there, Glocal citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. I am your host, Florence Adu. I'm coming to you from Accra, Ghana. And in recognition of what has become International Cannabis Appreciation Day, or 420, my guest today is the CEO of Medicanja, which is a medical cannabis production and distribution company based in Kingston, Jamaica. I'm so excited. So I've had a guest who is from Jamaica in Ghana. So this time I get to travel to Jamaica. Um, he comes to this role as an expert in supply chain and demand planning systems in large scale manufacturing environments, particularly in the food and beverage industries. Andre McKenzie, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Florence. Really um, nice to be on with you. <laughs> really excited to share in and, and certainly um, reach out to your audience and to be part of this experience. Wonderful, wonderful. Welcome, welcome. So let's just jump right in. So tell us more about where you're from, where you're local, and what is your craft? Okay, sure. All right. So I am based uh, um, in Kingston, Jamaica, but I actually was born and grew up in Westmoreland, which is the western end, uh, close to Negril, which is um, tourist, one of the tourist spots in, in Jamaica. I grew up also in terms of close to the big heritage of our historical part of Jamaica, which is the, on the close to the Froome Sugar Plantation, which is the largest uh, sugar production company in, in, well, certainly in Jamaica. So it's certainly in terms of I grew up in that farming belt. Um, my family has been associated with that in terms of um, the working at the factory as well as, you know, in, in the community. So that's my largely my experience. I, I spent my childhood years there, came to, after I leave um, high school, this was when I came to Kingston. And I came to Kingston, met, um, spent a year with uh, one of my uncles downtown until then I started to move into uh, trying to get, uh, getting into the tertiary education trying to work at the same time and try to balance that. So a large part of that has been really in terms of that experience, that transition from it's two actual parallels because I, I'm growing up, I'm accustomed to open range just being out there in terms of there's no grills or lockdown or it's an open community. It's a lot of family on one street, the one location, that your neighbor is your family and your friend, and you know everybody, you know their parents, everybody. And you came to an environment in which, you know, hey, once it gets dark, you're told that, hey, you need to be inside. <laughs> so it was a big difference in terms of making that adjustment. Really in terms of that background, growing up in rural agriculture, Jamaica, and then making it, coming into the city and then making it that transition. So Kingston has been in my home since then, you know, I mean, certainly I visit and um, Westmoreland and, and, and so forth, but uh, Kingston has been my home since then. Okay. So what part of Kingston are you in? All right. At this point, I'm in Kingston, which is close to Halfway Tree. Uh, Halfway Tree is actually St. Andrew. So you have Kingston and St. Andrew. Andrew. Okay. Right. Okay. So uh, most, uh, I think that is because most people, when you say Kingston, 
but Kingston is actually the smallest, smallest parish, but, sure. but St. Andrew, but usually you say Kingston and St. Andrew. So I'm in the St. Andrew part of um, the city. Okay. And I live very close to half a tree, um, New Kingston era. Okay. Okay. I've been yeah. to Jamaica once. I loved it. And so I spent a new year a couple of years ago in Kingston. It was quiet, but then we went to Ojo Rios. So that's okay. where I spent my, the larger yeah. amount of time. So you've been to Dunzero Falls uh, when you went there? Yes. 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 Falls is one of those um, really um, attractions that anchors Jamaica that, you know, when you talk to tourists, they always talk um Talk about Dunsborough Falls, um, you know, but certainly Jamaica, you know, I, and, and I welcome um, you back and your audience to come to Jamaica because I think oftentimes when people, it's either just the core Montego Bay or Kingston that you hear mm-hmm. about, but Jamaica really have uh, lovely attractions all over, you know, and, and I certainly think that is something that when you come and you explore the island, that experience stays with you, you know, yeah. and, and I've had persons who came down, we have um, two meetings and they, they 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 took some time and go off and explore the island. And and I think that they fell in love with it, you know. And, um, yeah, it's <laughs> and, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely lovable. So tell us, how does a rural young man from Westmoreland make it to become a supply, ch- supply chain logistics expert? How did that happen? How did you get into that? As your as your thing before becoming a CEO. Okay, so I think it's one of those things. Experience there is one of those parts where sometimes in life you, you you go on a path and it takes you down a road, and you can go with it. You can let others be in terms of the and of course you're going to be influenced by people you come in touch with, uh, but also it's part of that journey that if you if you, if you have that mindset where. You're going on a journey, but also you try to get the fullness of that experience. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I started out there because when I came to Kingston, I, I went to um, a community college to, to study um, computing. And as part of that program, I was sent on a six-week training program at Deno and Geddes, which is then later rebranded as Red Stripe. And as part of that experience, I was able to connect with um, persons there. And before the program finished, they actually offered me a job there in that organization. I actually got a letter in the mail. Then Back then it was, you, you got physical letter, not emails. <laughs> and um, yeah, they, they offered me a job to come back and, and work as part of their um, summer internship program. And I was like, wow, you know, cause uh, I know I did well and I know I got good recommendations from the program, but certainly, and it has been a journey since then because from there, I managed, you know, we had the opportunity to say, okay, do I go back to school full-time? Do I continue in there? And I, and I was able to continue with the organization, continue with them while doing um, tertiary. And, that, and that's why it's also part important that, you know, there, there are some, you know, and, and I, I get back to the journey, but I just interject to say sometimes, I come across some um, people, especially young people in, in organization, and, and it's part of that story that you have to tell them is that you have to be able to focus and know what you want and have a long-term vision of what you um, what you want to do. Because you can come across these opportunities and you just treat them in terms of what you But I was able to use that experience, being there, started out as a warehouse clerk 
in terms of um, in terms of my first role there. Uh, continues going to um, tertiary, pursuing tertiary education, and build on along that journey. And you know, before within within my first year there, I, I remember in terms of you know, I was promoted three times. Sorry, my first three years, I was promoted three times. And as part of that is just because I, you know, they keep telling you that you have to have the right attitude. And it's not so much about what you know, because I wasn't hired there because I was an expert. You know, today I can say, yes, I am an expert in, in, in the system. But the back then, I, you know, it was just having the right attitude, having that willingness to to learn and that willingness to do things. So that really led me into that um organization and from then you know both continuing privately my pursuing tertiary education and internally being part of their development programs i was able to build on those and, and you know and, and i managed to move from you know where i was clerk to uh you know in venture control then i was a team leader and pretty soon after that i i found myself being the part of a, 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 a number of projects uh, and so that is one of the things also after a while because it really got stre- um, stressful at some point when you're being pulled for every project that is coming people are pulling on you and, and I always remember one of my uh, I was talking to one of my colleagues and um, you know he was saying well you know I said you know I feel that this is getting too pressure because I don't think they realize also that I'm pursuing tertiary education outside of work. So, you know, that bandwidth to continue along that journey. And um, and he said, no, no, no. It's because they recognize that you get it done. And once you're part of the project, you have that uh, mindset where you're going to go and do it. Mm. And, and, and I took, you know, I, I stopped and I said, wow. Because sometimes it's not that i was unwilling or or was lacking motivation but but i i thought you know you were being some and i must come in in terms of growing up in the red stripe system they do have uh, fantastic people who have passed through that organization people who would support you and i remember also speaking with uh, marie hemmings she was one of the hr managers at the time and she said you know andre you are going to be part of this organization in terms of that transition and part of why we're pushing you, it's part of it is to get you in terms of to see what you are made of. But at the same time, it's for you to, to in terms to show people that you know, because you might be young, but the reality is that with the change in technology, the change in environment, um, by then um, Red Stripe was acquired by Diageo, which is a, a, a large spirit company in, in, in mm-hmm. the UK. And the part of that transition really meant that there was a lot of changes coming, a lot of things. And, and, and sometimes, you know, when you have organizations, you know, today Red Stripe is more than 100 years old, but it is one of the oldest companies in Jamaica. But you have a lot of institutional knowledge, a lot of persons there, but you, you have to make that leap. And as a, one of those companies had to, to go into that leap, and it's part of that change. So it's important that people understand and recognize that, it's not about just going somewhere and working. It's about how do you become part of that institution in terms of being part of that. You grow, the company grow in terms of, and, and you build that organization because you're just there to collect a paycheck doesn't really serve anybody in the long run. 
right? right. And after a while, you're going to lack motivation as to why in terms of um, that. So to focus on in terms of the experience part, because a lot of that in terms of professional, but also in terms of that connection is that I was privileged to be part of, as I mentioned, a number of projects that were initially cored in supply chain. I, I was promoted to the materials planning manager in 2014. And um, that role, you know, you know, again, it's a matter of not just going into a role and trying to assume that, okay, this is my job or what I do. I, I do. As part of that, I was in charge of um, scheduling and, and bringing in materials for the factory and the entire supply chain, distribution, planning. And what we found was that we the country went into a recession about two uh, a year and a half into the role. And what happened was that when I went into the role, we were under so much pressure to keep up with demand. And within 18 months, it was the opposite. You now have millions of dollars, millions of US dollars worth of inventory and, and stuff coming in, sitting down, not being consumed. It was just there as part of it. Um, you know, my team and the, the commercial team, we have our clashes around that, hey, you're forecasting too much. It's supply chain is not uh, what we're buying. We're spending on the wrong SKUs in terms of what is there. And I remember the then um, supply director, Andy Jones, uh, Andy Jones, he was part of a meeting that we were having. And then afterwards, he called me and he said, Andre, I know what the problem is. You guys lack that um, a single process that aligns everybody. And I, and I know somebody who can help you on this. And I said, well, sure. And he, 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 he through his network, he got um, a gentleman, I don't remember his, his name, but I know he was from the UK. And he came down and we met, you know, over a week, we looked through the entire system and he said, you know, and he showed me some techniques. And so what I started to do was I, I used in Excel and I started to basically do my own forecast based on the data that was there and try to plan around that. So when I, we were having our meetings now, I was able to, you know, I shared it and, and I, I've always been that type of person where I will share the data, but if it is that I realize that people are still set on their part, then that's where I will challenge it in terms of to say. And so we started having and uh, those, those, those clashes that are around it. And then eventually people start to listen to what I was saying because they said, hey, this was more consistent with what was actually happening versus what was the wish in terms of what is there. And so from that role, you know, I um, went on to actually become part of a process called the Sales and Operation Planning, which was a, first a project that's tried to bring that cohesion to the business in terms of balancing supply and demand. And from that role, once that project was finished, I, I became the Sales and Operation Planning Manager, which was now in charge of the doing both the commercial side of the business and the supply chain in terms of managing that. And through that experience, you know, I, I start to get a lot more involved in commercial planning, starting to see the marketing side of it, getting into, you know, not just how we manage the internal system, but how do we also manage the external system. As part of that, I got exposed to trade intelligence, how to use that type of data in terms of using the, the, what the consumer saying, what are the trends, you know. And then also as part of that, as I build up my experience, I was able to contribute in different areas. 
then also that become part of you know when the the, the company found um, that okay well beer sales is going down people are not no longer consuming a lot of beer as they 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 used to and so we 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 start to brainstorm and start to look at how do we then make beer relevant as part of that and so forth and then i became part of the overarching a cross-functional committee was the innovations committee which was really now looking at taking persons from different part of that of the organization but not just locally but also we had persons from mexico persons from the us persons from the uk start to look at it from a more holistic factor and one of the things that certainly in terms of the data showed in jamaica which was that most of the persons who are finishing tertiary institutions are women all right as a matter of fact you know at the time when we did the data it was 80 80 plus percent uh, i'm sure it's probably higher now in terms of what is there so that is you know you you, you look at that um and those statistics and you said hey what is happening is that there is the transition where women are really going to become more of the breadwinners and the decision makers in terms of organizations and structure mm-hmm. what is happening down the road mm-hmm. and so what you have is that a lot of men of course men still control or still are in the dominant position historically it will take a time it take a, a while before those roles um, become phased out in terms of and the new leadership um based on capability will naturally if you have more women who are coming up and 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 and, and going through the rigor then certainly that will become a factor but the the key insights that we took from it there you know uh, and, and i must comment also in terms of friendship because they had a gender policy from the years on in terms of trying to ensure that there's a certain percentage of women that were involved in the in in, in the management but not just in terms of being employed but also in management roles so I, I, you know, I, I, I came out of that mindset knowing that okay, this is how organization right? It's not about trying to force the um, change in other areas, but this is how it's the natural order. But to go back to the insight that we took from that, it, it's really it's a matter of trying to identify not just planning internally, and you know, and this ties back both supply chain and um, demand planning, is that you can't just look at what you have. All right. You can't just look at just the competition. You can't just look at in terms of um, what, you know, what the limitations are. You have to look at it in the sense of saying that, what do you want to achieve? Where do you want to go in terms of, uh, you know, and you build on that. You know, there's what we call um, Blue Ocean Strategy. That's really it's a, mm-hmm. it's a very uh, important, uh, you know, very insightful. And what it says is that it's not about creating everything in terms of and trying to fight with the competition. It's about trying to identify, even within your existing portfolio, a new market, trying to position yourself in an area that fill a need and that those needs in terms of will address and bring in new consumers that you never thought you had before. And so as part of that, you know, we, we started to look at it and we started to come up with um, flavored beers. And, mm, uh, more more appealing. Yeah appealing to women because but also the, the taste was not you know women didn't like the beer taste but you sure. know, like, yeah. I, 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 I always recall um having a, a conversation in which when we they did a mock-up and when we went back to the they, they did the consumer um that the profile test 
the you know the the the, the marketing folks were saying no, it's not sweet enough. The, the the ladies didn't like it and stuff like that. And I was like, look, what do you want me to do? I can just make some um some some, some lemonade and pour some beer on it. And is that what you want in terms of because it's not it's not beer <laughs> in his head. Uh, yeah, and so we we had that experience, but. In the end, you know, you have to listen to your consumers and yeah. to recognize that sometimes, yes, you want to make a product that is traditional. You want to make that to have that core to say, okay, this is it. And, but but if if you if you don't have a consumer for it, you're it's not it's just going to be a nice innovation or a nice creation. Yeah. And so we actually went through several. Um, iterations of creating that, and and I, and I can tell you certainly uh, when I when I when I was leaving, you know, the we did the sorrel beer. Sorrel is, is is a flower that really is um, popular in, in Jamaican terms, um, and it, it certainly did well. We actually said, okay, we're going to do it for Christmas, but it did so well that we decided to continue with it. Mm. Uh, yeah, and and uh, the next year, so we actually had. A, the sorrel plan for Christmas, and then we were going to make in terms of a lemon for summer. And but people kept demanding the sorrel in terms of you know the demand was just there, so we kept doing it. And and even when we launch the, the the lemon, you know the marketing guys were saying, look, it's not going to do well because it you can't have two innovation to the same product at the same time. But actually, it really went well, and to the point of which. Both products were so much in high demand in terms of trying to keep up with right, them. right, 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 right. And so when you look at it, but but also, you know, and and, and I, when we look at how those products were designed and set up to actually, you know, and to see what were the target audience we started with, but what you actually start to look at the the data, you realize that men were also buying the product. And so mm-hmm. while you are trying to design to say, okay, I'm going to get in this into the un- on top part of you know addressing women and trying to give them a product that is um it's certainly um with the the other way where you realize now that it just had a broad appeal because people know because it wasn't also as strong people would drink it at lunchtime in terms of it, it's mm-hmm. a nice More versatile in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also in terms of the, the flavor, what was very um, in terms of the Jamaican palate, certainly. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it certainly became part of that now in terms of. So, working with those projects, I mean, in, in, in doing, doing those projects as well, you know, um, and, and I guess that's where, because after a while, because I had the supply chain background, I was into the demand and commercial planning as well. It became just a natural part of where again I was just become I became part of the institution and all of those projects in terms of what is there. So even while we were doing those projects, we had other projects we ran. We had you know where Redshirt took over as part of that partnership with that Diageo. We so we start to sell and distribute Johnny Walker, um, the okay. right? Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of those international brands. Um, sure, Vodka was also one of them. And so as part of that, we still have to do ensure that as part of that planning, you know, planning with the that inside to say, okay, how are you going to target these, um, the, where are you going to position these products? Because you can't, it's, and it's one of those things where I, you know, I see that very obvious in when you look at a large 
corporation versus small business and in terms of engaging personal small business. In small business, I have an idea, I like it, I'm going to go and do it. In the corporation, you realize that it's not about just because this looks nice. You have to anchor that in terms of having in terms of how you're going to position, where are you going to make sure that you have a complete plan before mm -hmm. you go ahead and start to spend money along these um, projects because it, it is very costly. Uh, mm -hmm. And not only in terms of just money, but in terms of you know time, how you could, the opportunity cost of how you could redirect some of those resources. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so let me pivot a little bit and ask my why the where, but I'll put a little spin on it because you've kind of told us how you came to be living and working and playing where you currently live in Kingston. But let's put it a little bit of a spin to why the where with your moving to Medicanja, because okay. you, you had this a great career at Red Stripe and working with, you know, in the transition to Diageo. And now you've come to this new industry that yeah. um, has a lot of history. So tell us more about why the where in that. Why the where? Okay, so so it it was it was it was a situation in which um, you know I, I said that you I've had this experience, but also you know I started out there, but I was approaching the and I said, whoa, but I'm here in this organization for almost twenty years. I, mm -hmm. You know, it came to that point, mm -hmm. and I started to look at it. But I said, what next? You know, because I, I don't want to be just one organization in terms of the world because sure. it's a fantastic place. And I, you know, I'm, you know, there are challenges, but certainly there are things that you, you grew up. I literally grew up there, if you want to call it there, because I started out at 19, you know, so you, I, I literally grew up in terms of in, in the mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I started to look at um, what's next. How do I, you know, how do I, and as part of that, I've explored options of, um, okay, do I go into one of the expat program? The, you know, there are lots of regional, you know, project I was approached to, to be part of a regional project, but it still felt it's the same thing, you know? And as part of that also, I said, okay, there must be something else in terms of, so I started um, to work with the organization and I would start to set on a transition plan and I said, hey, I don't see myself here for more than another two years in terms of, uh, you know, so I didn't get up and resign in terms of what is there. I, I you know, I, I had that honest conversation and, um, you know, they also put back to me a couple of other proposals and, and right up to the week before I, um, I left, you know, they, they, they did offer me another role to remain within the organization. But I felt at the time that it was long enough being part of that organization. I wanted to do something new. I wanted to, you know, get a different experience. And even though while we're in there, you know, you would work and do other things in terms of, you know, that, but it still didn't feel like I, I, as if that it would be something completely different in terms of. And so that's part of why I said we went on that um, journey. So when I actually set out on starting and I started doing it and I wanted to set up an e-commerce um, company started out planning, started to get um, software done, build the organization around that. <laughs> uh, but sometimes, you know, it's it's a matter of, again, you know, I started out by saying sometimes you go down the road and sometimes things come your way and, and the path in terms of how it is. Because when I started doing that journey, I never envisioned being part of Medicanja or, or knowing um, Dr. Henry Lowe, who is the, the, the founder, and really in terms of um, the brains um, behind the organization in terms of creating these fantastic products. 
And so our path actually came across um, through a, a mutual um, person, actually a colleague of mine who has a, a daughter who's an executive with um, Dr. Will's team. And through, the, you know, we were, we were business partners that I'm having some discussion and he shared with me and said, hey, you know, my daughter is telling me that there is this fund um, set of, um, you know, Dr. Henry Lowe and he has all these products that he really needs somebody to come in and push him because he is big on the, in terms of the creative side and create and, uh, and, but I said, okay, you know, I were there and I said, let me see what he's offering because at the time I was saying, okay, well, maybe we could probably retail it as part of what the plan that we're doing in terms of trying to set up our business and trying to look at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I met with, um, Dr. Henry Lowe and um, Dr. Trevor Hamilton, who were two, two board members um, for Medicanja. And from that first meeting, you know, they called me back and they said, wow, you know, because when I introduced myself, they were like, but well, you know, the, the thing is, they were having a similar conversation. They were wondering who could they bring on board to help with this, because they know in terms of having the products, there is one thing, but without somebody who understands how to mobilize from the, the getting the product produced and also how to get it to market. And so they were very much interested in terms of what, and so we had, we were having just conversations around it until um, they, they actually said, okay, look, Andre, I think you can do more with us than just being a, a customer to retail that stuff. I think in terms of from your corporate experience and in terms of what is there, we, we see where this really, in terms of you come on board and partner with us, we could really make this into a, a global company. And I said, you know, so I started to give them thought. They gave me some um, material more. I studied more about the products, tried to understand, tried to understand the industry a little bit more in terms of, and, you know, I just said, look, don't worry. And I said, look, I have no experience in this cannabis space in terms of the industry, um, you know, so... Actually, when I look at the data, and I said, you know, what I what I, I, I saw is a big comparison because I'm coming from alcohol. Mm-hmm. And exactly. I said, it is highly regulated. All what I'm seeing here is that alcohol is just a few years ahead yes. of working the cannabis industry because it's mm-hmm. going to head in the same direction in the future. Mm-hmm. So while at this point there are lots of um, regulations, a lot of no no in terms of uh you know, that fear or the, the stigma and the lack of education that is out there around how you use the product, you do realize and recognize that there is actually just a different state. And when I made that connection and I made that connection, I, I'd say, hey, but it's not that big of a difference. You know, it's just a matter of in terms of having this. And again, if we have the right people for the right rules, because I'm not a subject matter expert in every area and I, and I have to recognize that. But that is where also I said, hey, coming out of an organization where you didn't have to be a subject matter expert in the area because that is why you brought, you're bringing consultants, you're bringing people to work in specialized areas, you have your engineers and so forth. So there is no shame in saying, hey, look, I'm not a subject matter expert, but my job and certainly as part of that, you know, it would really be to help to mobilize organization. So that was how the journey started two, year, two years ago with... Um, working with Dr. Lowe and, and, and the Medicanja team and trying to start to look at the portfolio and try to look at all sorts in terms of the industry. And, and I get 
it's one of those things that we have to look at it and look at it under the lens of saying, what are you trying to achieve, right? Mm -hmm. And the first thing in terms of when I look at it and I said, okay, even outside of just making this as a quick transition, there has to be a purpose to why am I doing this, all right? Purpose that I have to connect with in terms of to say, why is it important to me? And, and, and the thing that struck me was that we have medicinal product that have been created here, have been approved by the Ministry of Health of Jamaica, but yet there is this huge stigma around well, how to get it out, the regulations, you know, the, there's a big, the, the biggest hurdle we face getting financing, and that's partly because of the correspondence banking. And the reality is that there is, you know, and, and I've been part of many discussion groups and panels in terms of um, as the industry. And I know there's a tendency to blame the local bankers, but I'm not blaming because the reality is that we know that they're not going to make that change until the U.S. make that change. Mm. Right. And mm. so while we may say, yeah, we're an independent country, the reality is that global integration and that interrelatedness and that dependency on on, on, on moving um, transactions through, through the U.S. is sure. there. And so right. you, you, you have to then, let's not waste your energy trying to beat up against it. You, what you have to do is to find what is your market? How do you then get this move? You know, and so part of that, it's where you know the we have to start to look into different ways, and, and which is why when we trying to to reach out and try to to get partners, you know, so certainly um, the person who introduced uh, you to me, it's part of those conversation. And it, again, he is in the financial space and in terms of the capital market, right? And so it's part of those conversations, and and really in terms of again. It's when I we can sit down together, and you know, you know, he's uh, you know certainly an African in terms of, um, but also in terms of from Jamaican, and build that connection to say, look, it's not about trying to stereotype or put people in any bracket or so forth. I look at it from the perspective of saying that we have a mutual interest in terms of, um, you know, how is how can we work together? How can we ensure that? What we're building is something that is going to build, help Jamaica, help um, you know his organization in terms of how he's going um, to move forward. And, you know, and it's one of the the vision for um, for Dr. Lo also is that he wants Medicanja to have that presence in Jamaica and to all have that um, you know be a part of the. You know, yeah, he could have sold the company to anybody there because you already have. Um, formulations that are approved by the you know the Ministry of Health, patent pending, uh, but he wants that vision to that the vision he has for the company is for it to be anchored in Jamaica because mm-hmm. too many of our companies here. When I look at the Jamaican landscape, almost all of the major companies are foreign owned, and I'm not anti-foreign. I, I you know foreigners own because they have their investment. They are looking at it from a strategic perspective, but there is that opportunity for us to try to build these brands and try to build that local organization that becomes part of that global community and that's exactly part of the you know your overall mandate in terms of what you're trying to, to achieve to, to recognize that while you may belong to a locality you're still a part of that global community mm-hmm. and how do you take what you have in terms of in this sense the products that we have the science behind it you know and and, and i have to keep referencing Dr. Lowe because he has been researching these things for 50 years. 
And I don't think that if he if he was in some first world country, this man would have a whole lot more accolades behind him in terms of what it is that's there. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we don't recognize the assets that we have in terms of people and the talent and, and the dedication to for you to spend that much time creating products, formulations, trying to ensure in terms of you is that you 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 are able to develop those into something that is a first thing of benefit to people and uh, have that help. And then you can talk about it. So I'm on this journey to help in that regard. And I I was sold on it once I could make that connection to say, it's not about firstly just making money. The part of it is is that you do have proper medicinal um, products. When I looked at it, the, the statistics, you know, glaucoma is the second leading cause of blindness. Um, in the world, yeah. we have a, um, well, here we have a product that helps with that. And when you look at it, but not only do you, is it helpful, but you have, it costs generally less than what, when you go to the pharmacy and in terms of what mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. persons will buy other similar medication for, all right? How do we get those products? We have products for pain, you know, lots of persons in huge amount of pain. And how do you then get them to understand that, yes, it may be cannabis, ganja, whatever the word you want to call it, marijuana. But at the same time, what you're looking for is that is what is the medicinal benefit, right? Mm-hmm. How is this being also, somebody's not just giving me a product that didn't go through um, some level of process and control that I'm consuming a substance that, I don't know whether or not I'm having too much THC or the level of um, minerals or, or benefits that is in it that is going to be of any use to me. So I think it's important when you look at it and say, okay, how do I help to bring these fantastic products in terms of that are there created for wellness that can benefit people and to help to bring those to people to both, but first of all, it, but First of all, but overall, you have to realize that there are lots of barriers. There's the barrier of navigating the financial circle mm-hmm. the bank in terms of making sure that you're getting to your customers. You're also getting supplies and um, that it's not infringing in, 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 in terms of doing anything that is going to compromise um, the people or the organizations along that chain. It's yeah. ensuring that consumers are aware of the, that of the products and the benefits. But also, in the medical community, there's a lot of work to be done mm-hmm. in, in the medical community because there is just that fear. And even when you show science and facts and data around it, there are those persons who just have that stigma and they, 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 won't, right. they don't want to be involved. And so you have to break that down through education, but also be patient and to understand that it's not going to happen overnight just like that. Um, yeah also a, a journey for those persons and it's in terms of how do we then ensure that we are part of that that system that is not only going to make sure that you are giving people factual information but you're also ensuring that they understand how to consume it right not creating a problem for them on that side right 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 so i want to get a little bit more into some of that science but i want to take up um take a chance to ask you about local speak, because you mentioned, you know, the global, local, I love that. So this is where I ask my guests to share what you hear. So I ask you to share a word, a phrase, or a saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you came to value it as global speak. 
<laughs> All right, you know, in Jamaica, one of the most um, one of our things always saying that we're little about with Talawa. It's part of that because they say you're small but you're powerful. All right, mm-hmm. and I think in terms of you know you you you'll hear that from a lot of persons who saying, look, you don't have to be well endowed, have the most resource, have the most in you, because of most of the well, I, I can say most of, but certainly a lot of those Jamaicans who get to higher heights and in terms of, you know, if you look at it, a lot of those persons come from humble beginnings, you know. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if you look at it, people always talk about Bob Marley. But Bob mm-hmm. Marley was in the ghetto of Trenchtown in, in Jamaica before he became this global superstar. But it, it really speaks to that. If you, you need to recognize that despite your own local challenges and the lack of resources, you can, by true applying yourself, become bigger than what you are in terms of and become part of that global experience and how you engage in terms of um, go out there and when you're engaging persons you know because when i go out and, and, I, and i'm engaging persons from the new york or, in, or parts of the us or in the uk or, you know about medicanja i'm not projecting that hey you know we're from jamaica and you know in terms of uh, we're projecting that look this is what we can do and this is what we're going to do in terms of what is that, and I, and I think that is part of it. But certainly from Jamaica, you know, our culture is very strong, and I think in terms of that, you know, I listen to a lot of um, reggae music, but certainly also in terms of dancehall, part of it in terms of the energy, and it depends on the mood that I'm in or what I'm trying to achieve, I will listen to it. So there are times when you need more energy, and yeah, I'm just there in terms of um, <laughs> playing in, in, in the background, but certainly, uh, traditionally, I, I would certainly listen to like uh, you know Bujabans and in terms of and even a lot of the African mix is very popular yeah. now in yeah. in terms of the Jamaican mix in terms of having that experience. But, yeah. But certainly, I would say that that phrase resonates with me in terms of little but it's all because it's, it connects you and you can see how that becomes part of a lot of persons' um, global experiences. They're saying you may start it out in one area with limited resources, or coming from a humble beginning. But yeah. there's there's no limitation in terms of how you can end up engaging other persons and being able to be part of those um, global conversations. You know, nice, you know, um, nice. So yeah, so, so. yeah. I like that. It, it kind of dovetails with my mindset hack question. So mm-hmm. as since we're on that track, let me let me ask you that. So mm-hmm. what is your favorite or innovative mindset hacks? This is one that you already practice or one that you can imagine. Well, I, I certainly, in terms of the, the mindset, I said I, I use music sometimes to get me in the zone. Ah, okay. But, all right. But I have this, I, you know, and again, I remember in, I think it was in 2010 or thereabout, I went, uh, um, I was part of a group that was sent on a virtual intensive as part of a leadership training program, working with, um, as part of the idea at the time. All right. At the time, we went through this, you know, you have to get to know yourself, know in terms of, um, and one of the things after that program that I started doing and I recognized is it comes back to connecting to my understanding your why. Why do you want to do this, mm-hmm. right? And if you can connect that to why is it important to me, then I, I really don't have a challenge motivating myself to do it. You know, but certainly in terms of um, when you're in that slum or something, you're like, oh, I'm, do I really need to get out of bed to do this? It mm-hmm. is a situation where 
I usually look at it and say, okay, all right, if you don't do this, what is the, you know, how are you and, I, and I beat upon myself more than anybody else. Mm. And so I would say, okay, but you made a commitment, you know, to do this, you know. So even looking at this, the, the, the cannabis industry and I say, wow, you know, I, um, before I came in, you, you, I didn't envision this kind of challenge because there was so much hype and some of the things around it. You figure that, yes, it wouldn't be perfect, but you would have had a, 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 a smoother road or a less bumpy road to travel. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that you have to look at is saying that, and how I look at it is that I made a commitment to do it. And it's one thing in terms of making a commitment. And if you, you, you have to be able to look yourself and say, okay, did I do my best at it? Because if I if, if if I believe I did my best and it's real, I am fine with moving to the next thing. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not that type of person who just look at it because and said okay, fail. Because no business, no organization achieve the heights without people taking a chance and people trying to push the bound, both people to pushing their boundaries, their personal boundaries to say, how do can I achieve? And if I achieve this. How do I go to a high heights in terms of what is there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's part of that, you know, Usain Bolt could have quit racing from when he did Beijing. Uh, but no, he, they, because there were more records to be broken. And it's part of that you have to be able to challenge yourself and to say, hey, how do I get to a higher level or to, to achieve more out of it? That part of it. And it's part of also that transition to say, okay, I didn't believe that in terms of it was something going to be phenomenal continuing in corporate in corporate Jamaica in terms of doing that. And which is why I said, okay, it's not about wanting to leave or being upset with persons. It's a matter of saying, how do I go to something else that is going to motivate me and challenge me? Mm. And if I can get, um, if I can see that, then I am usually able to make that connection to say, okay, you must do this. And I will tell myself all the time, I said, you know, you have to do it. You, you already made a commitment. Okay, what's the next option? <laughs> this is what you want to do. Sure. And so, yeah, but I know in terms of there are lots of mindset, um, but that's to me how I, I, I sort of must do it. And I, I'm really, I'm more of a long-term person than a short-term. Mm-hmm. So I don't really judge myself on short-term failures or gains uh, mm-hmm. as such, but I mean, look at it, okay, what is it that I'm going to achieve within this time frame? And if I can see that journey continuing, then I can say, okay, yes, it's a setback to today, but it's... um you know, we'll find a way to get around this or that create an experience to deal with the, the next uh, obstacle in this particular way. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So speaking of long-term, what is the next step? What is the long-term um, trajectory for Medicanja in terms of, particularly in terms of looking at international markets? Because I think that one of the things that Jamaica does and has done extremely well is exporting culture, music, styles. So as I want to say, the first country to have legalized it is that am I am I correct? I feel like as a country, as, make well, I, I, as, certainly from a cultural perspective, with yeah. um, the rest of and, and right. in terms of right. youth, and in that we have certainly been part of that and being part of that pioneering um, group of people who have um, uh, brought recognition to it, uh, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, it, it was certainly stigmatized and um, persons. You know who are used the, the plant was um, jailed and a, a number of things. So it's very strong in terms of what is there. Now, from uh, to speak down in in my discussion, how I look at the industry, there are different groups. There are those persons who want to just grow 
and consume, grow and export, grow and just produce the extract the oils. Mm-hmm. Where Medicanja sits is in the third third um, tier of the algal region that we're largely in pharmaceutical. And I think mm-hmm. that is where mm-hmm. we have to then look at it from the perspective of saying, you you, you have to identify, and I think that's what we, 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 we did was to say, do we belong? Because when I came on board, we were in retail, we had a herb house, we have a spa, um, we did a therapeutics. And so part of that restriction is to say, no, where is it? What anchors the organization? The organization was born out of the innovations and the, the products that were created in terms of what is there. And that is our strength because in that group also is that we technically have a, a leg up on the, yeah. on the competition because not many companies who the companies that are coming in now are largely growing they haven't gone through that um process to create products create forms have gone through and, and do the the trials that is necessary and the documentation to get it past the approved or get it approved through the ministry of health mm-hmm. so what we're looking at and, and certainly medicanja is the only cannabis company that is um what was admitted to the export max um mm-hmm. program and it's okay. a program that is led by the Jamaican government and with um, led by Jampro. And so as part of that, we're working with the Jampro in terms of um, trying to, to identify how do we get exposure for the products internationally? How do we ensure that we're bringing back that linkage? But it's important, you know, and it's as part of it to say it's important that Medicanja is anchored in Jamaica. We do recognize that there are some jurisdictions that it's nearly impossible, at least at this stage, to get into those to export because of the export regulations. But what is we have to do is to find partners and find partners who have like minds and who are willing to work with us and support us. You know, you have um, people who will call us our organizations and say, hey, you know, we're interested, but we want it done here or there. You have to recognize that the biggest asset is the IP. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, if you give away your IP, mm-hmm. then you're basically giving away the heart of the business yeah. in terms of what is there. And mm-hmm. so that is part of in terms of making that global play. We have to recognize that we have to know what we have as the biggest value for the company. How mm-hmm. do we anchor that in terms of ensuring? And of course, how do we ensure that we're supporting and anchored in Jamaica? So as part of that, we are in discussions with growers who to grow particular strains around what that best use in, in certain our products, mm-hmm. you know. And so we will build that um, backwards in terms of from the supply chain coming in. But mm-hmm. also now we have what we're doing is working on the demand and that global play. And so as part of that, we have to re- recognize that there are lots of ways in which it, it's not about just trying to get a distributor. You have to ensure that you have the right image and the right messaging the social media is huge and digital technology in terms of how companies and brands are communicating their products. And so you have to establish that as part of it and try to ensure that when you are communicating with um, or trying to get consumers in other parts of the world, you know, you're, you're anchoring it there. You know, it's, it's coincidental that you're in Ankara because we recently got um, a company from Ghana actually reached out to us uh, around okay. one of the product line, you know, and, and we're in discussions there. But again, it's how do we get that product from Jamaica, you know, right. to, to, to Ghana. And uh, because there are no clear yeah. shipping lanes that move from Jamaica to Ghana. But yeah. again, certainly at this stage, you have to think globally, how does that, the logistics of that work, right? And not just that 
yeah, I can send a few boxes, but how do you build it into a certain sense, making sure that you're planning with long-term in mind? Because mm -hmm. if you you don't rush the system and create a problem at this stage, mm -hmm. you want to ensure that also those partners are they are establishing the market, they are really well intended on doing what they tell you that they want to do, and how is it that both of you connect, you know, in terms of making sure that that is part of it, that, that journey. And as part of that journey in the UK, we have gone through several hurdles because also as you start to have those conversations, you realize that and you recognize that not everybody who comes to you first mean that makes the best partners. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to go back and look again because it's part of that story where, where you, you know, you want to establish a company and, and brands that are going to be there long-term and long-term really has to, you have to anchor that and you have to build a foundation for that. And so rushing it sometimes, you know, it is, is not the best option, but also you have to recognize that you have somewhat of a limited resources in terms of what you're doing. We are certainly trying to find partners, partners in investment, partners in building out supply chain, partners in building out in terms of market exposure or in terms of communication in particular markets, because one, we can't just think that one global message is going to fit everybody. Right. You have to look at each um, jurisdiction. And I say that it's coincidental that, you know, we'll reach out. so therefore we have to then look at what is happening in Ghana. How is it that if we're going to enter that market, how do we need to show up in that market? Mm -hmm. Because we can't use that same message that we're going to use in New York as yeah. part of that uh, message, you know. Right. And so, so to me, in terms of building it, the, the company, building it with that long-term play in mind and not trying to just cut corners, but to certainly ensure that we are anchoring this company and we want to see, you know, is that we are, may start out very small or start out in terms of from a small island on a, you know, from a global perspective, but we are intending on trying to get to be a big player and try to get into how is it that when people say Medicanja, they're like, wow, you know, just like oh, when I go places and I feel proud when people hear about Red Stripe because mm -hmm. I know that I may not be there still, but I contributed a lot to that organization in terms of that revamping, in terms of where it was. So I, I, I want for Medicanja, when I go out, I can hear a person say, just like oh, you, you, I tell people that I used to be working with Red Stripe. And people say, oh, yeah, Red Stripe, great bear, you know, and they're like, and stuff like that. I want people to say, hey, ah, Medicanja, yes, you know, fantastic products. You know, my my mother, my aunt had glaucoma and this, you know, I use your product. It is fantastic. Uh, or my cousin had seizures and, you know, this is what they're using now to help to relieve my seizures. Or, I mean, I was in so much pain and I, you, I'm using this product now. And, wow, you know, I can't, you know, I, I'll give you... One instance in terms of that, um, I have an aunt who is in um, New York, and, and I can tell you in terms of she tried, we have a product called Kanja Rub, which is a healing oil from mm -hmm. Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So it's initially designed to help with arthritis or muscular pain. And what I can tell you, one of the, the feedback, so she used the product and she was very much in terms of, you know, before the winter month finished, she sent to me and said, hey, I need to stop up because next winter, you know, I said, okay, what is it? And she, you know, she gave me a powerful insight. She said, when she applied the, the oil to her leg, and in, especially in the winter months, it kept her warm. 
And I was like, wow. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it started mm-hmm. to bring me back to remember in terms of, I said that when I was a child in terms of that understanding insights in terms of from the consumer perspective and mm-hmm. to see okay, what it is, you know, and that, but that certainly created an aha moment because we recognize that it's not only about just um, healing just the physical pain, but it's also um, based on the, the ingredients yeah. um, to keep the leg warm. And she was like, wow, he said, well, when I rub it on my leg, I can, I can just, I just put on my tights and I can walk around. Whereas before, there are some nights she has to be in cloak up and blankets and layers on top of layers, and she can't, she can't. So, so again, it's 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 trying to build into that and understanding those insights. Um, that may be something that we can use to help to promote product in cooler climates. Right. Um, but it wouldn't be probably relevant in Ghana. <laughs> it's not right. going to be relevant in Jamaica. Right. right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm I'm imagining it's part of the circulation, like her circulation is that much yeah. more robust with it. So yeah, anyone who just has generally re- circulation challenges would probably do yeah, well maybe. with the product. Um, so mm-hmm. so how can um, how can our listeners get your products? Are they available outside of Jamaica? How will that work? Okay. So from our products, we do have in terms of um, the primary thing that we all that they can get us at um, medicanjamaica.com. We do okay. have our, our website set up there, or you can in, in, email us at info at medicanjamaica.com. Okay. Of, um, and I'll put that in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It depends on where you are. We do have um, a person, um, a retailer in, in the US who, okay. who sell the, the, the product. And we do have, um, well, we are, we're, we have, um, we're doing market testing now in the UK. So we should be in the UK um, later this year. Okay. We have, we're doing um, the, the market testing, and uh, we have a distributor there who is um, engaging um, retailers around the products there. Okay, great. The so we're having those conversations. And with some luck, we could be in Ghana soon. Sounds good. <laughs> you know, uh, but certainly what we're doing, we're doing it in a measured way. Um, sure. we, we have interest from all over the world in terms of persons who want to get access to the product. And yeah. so we do have um, persons who, you know, even from the other Caribbean islands, and uh, and we send it to them. Um, okay. Just you know, so they can order from us directly, and we send it. But usually in the in territories where we have representatives, we will then direct them to to those persons in terms got of Sunday interests. In got it. Got it. Great. But yes. Great. 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 So um, this is where I like to kind of take a little bit of a. Uh, turn and and try to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, we've we've learned a lot about you, but get to know about more about you. You mentioned you listen to music as your mindset hack. Um, are you a big reader? Can you tell us some some uh, of the things that you've been yeah, reading lately? I, I'm right. I'm I'm not sure if I am uh, the biggest reader, but I do read uh, um, quite a bit. Um, you know, my I I do have a a bias for Malcolm Gladwell. Um, okay. Gladwell's books, uh, and he. And part of it is that his literature, it, it, it always ends up giving you a different perspective from mm-hmm. what you originally think. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the last um, of his books that I read was um, the one with, um, the, the, where he um, talked about the story of David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. And in terms of traditionally, you hear it, okay, David's through Goliath and stuff like that. But it's part of that in terms of understanding, okay, 
what are some of the other things that could have happened in terms of why that story turned out the way it did, you know, and in terms of trying to, so I do like his literature and it's the same thing in terms of um, when you look at his, some of his other, um, you know, the blink and the um, tipping point and so forth. Mm-hmm. You get that different perspective of why is it that in a community where if you clean all the, if you clean all the walls and you let, let the, the, the place look decent, that people behave differently from a community in which they, there's just dirt and graffiti all over the place. The, you know, why is it that people naturally just act different based on how the environment look and how is it that they feel about it? You know, and, and, and it's one of those things. And it's, if you really look, internalize it, you'll realize that it's the same thing. You have a new car and it, mm-hmm. you act different with that car when it's new yeah. versus when it's, 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 it's old and worn. You, you said, ah, you know, they get yeah. a scratch, it's going to give you a dirty. Right. You treat yeah. it that way. And so I, I like those type of um, literature where it gives you a different perspective you are on things that you don't see things for just what is on the surface. Yeah. I tried to do but I generally do read um, quite a bit. I, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a fan also in terms of um, Jim Collins, in terms of books like um, Good to Great and Built to Last. Okay. Because those are part of also your, it, because those books not only do they help you personally, but it's also part of that um, business mindset training. Yeah. And when yeah. you look at it, you realize that companies that have a long-term vision of how they want to do things, Generally, yes, you're going to have a lot of companies going to come up and look fantastic in day one and year two. But how do they have that long-term vision of how they're going to survive in the in long term? So mm-hmm. uh, my reading in terms of a lot of that is around. But I do listen to also in terms of different um, podcasts. Um, I Just recently, I became a fan of yours as well because um, oh, you really you. have interested um, you know, recordings and your things. So I, I, I've been listening to a few of them. It's really you know, and congratulations because it's really good and the way in which you interact, you know, that um, it, it gave me some comfort coming on. You know, oh, good, good, good. That, okay, <laughs> I was coming on and I, it, 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 it was going to be a friendly um, environment. In yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I thank so. you so much for joining for joining me today. And I think you really made my 420 episode a really great experience in terms of just enlightening listeners on the business of what's to come. So I really, really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any last words for our listeners? I, don't, I, I would I would say certainly in terms of from listenership, I would always say to people is that, you know, it, it, it's, it's good to want things, but you have to be prepared mm. to work for it. And I think in terms of, um, and just like how you're, you're, you're engaging your, your audience, you know, I, I, I do have, uh, a couple of people who I provide mm. a mentor to us and provide you. And it's one of those messages that I always tell that you have to have that vision of yourself, but don't expect things mm. to come overnight. And sometimes, especially when you're starting from behind the line in terms of, you know, you have to be prepared to recognize that you're going to have to be a bit more patient, but also you can't be too patient, uh, uh, right. but you have to, be able to say, okay, what do I want to sure. achieve down the road? And I think that's, for me, that's the mantra that I work with, and that's what I would want to say to the audience. But certainly, you know, I wish everyone well and be safe um, as we navigate the coronavirus and the global pandemic. 
Uh, we are having our issues here in Jamaica, but not as bad as yeah. some places. So certainly, you know, people just have to be really vigilant and try to be safe. At all yes, times. wonderful. Thank you so much for that. So listeners, this has been another episode of the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. Every Tuesday, we have new episodes and you can catch us at www.glocalcitizenspod.com and wherever you get your podcasts and do us a favor and subscribe, like, share, leave a comment or a review, particularly on Apple Podcasts because that helps people find us and the content that we're putting out. So until next time, listeners, bye for now. Mm-hmm.